Hi everyone! Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to leave a little note. As you can see in the title of the episode, today I'm talking with Priscilla Tang of Tokyo Love Hotel. Well, a couple days before this episode was to air, she sent me an email that said that her hotel, unfortunately, was closing. And it's not anything scandalous, it was a business dispute that could not be resolved. And if you would like to see their statement to the public, that is located at www.tokyolovehoteltoronto.com. I wanted to still air the episode because we still had a fantastic conversation. And、uh, there is definitely a need for these types of facilities here in Toronto. So I just wanted to kind of put that out into the universe. And I hope you still enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Erin Pym. And if you're a first time listener, here on the podcast, what I like to do is have fun and sexy people into my studio to have sex positive conversations with me. So I have a really fun guest.、Um, it's been a long time coming, this interview. However, before I get there, I can't go on and talk with an interview person unless I tell you about my Patreon. <laughs> Because that's how I make money, honey. So, on the Patreon, I'll tell you what you're getting. You're getting solo mini episodes.、Uh, it's just me talking at you for half an hour about my life as a dominatrix or my personal life as a poly gal.、Uh, you will get、uh, some fetish content. You're getting photo sets. You're getting、uh, video clips.、Um, and you're also getting audio erotica. So, these are stories that I used to be a professional erotica author back in the day. These are Old stories of mine that I am recording、uh, just for my Patreon's listening ears. So, if any of these things interest you, or if you're just a listener and want to throw me a couple bucks in support, you can do so at patreon.comslash the bedpost show. And without further ado, okay. We have a Jill of all trades on the pod. She is a YouTuber, a very、uh, successful YouTuber, might I add, a vlogger, a podcaster.、Uh, her podcast is Sex and Psychics. And she is the curator, co owner, inventor, dare I say, <laughs> of Tokyo Love Hotel, which is, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> this is Canada's. First and only、mm -hmm. Japanese love hotel. That's right. Did I get that right? Please welcome to the mic, everyone, Priscilla. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Erin. How'd I do? You had a、oh、lot of.、Gosh. You do a lot. That was perfect. <laughs> Holy crap. And I only told you all that stuff once. And you got it all in one breath. I'm a quick study. <laughs> I am, I am. So, okay, we're going to talk mostly about love hotels. What they are, what yours is,、yeah. what people can use them for, all these types of things.、Yeah. Do we want to start with maybe to give people an idea of why you're kind of passionate about this and why you created this? Do you want to kind of give us the story of why you, why you got on this track? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So,、um, Tokyo Love Hotel was actually born out of. Me being approached by a hotel owner who needed to solve a business problem. And basically, the, the context is that in all of Toronto, we in the hotel industry, we do struggle from this occupancy problem in the winter months because we heavily, heavily rely on tourism.、Mm -hmm. So, what started as you know, a business opportunity very, very quickly evolved into a huge opportunity for me to pursue a dream and a vision that I've had. For a really long time, which is to create a space for couples and people in relationships or individuals that want a safe escape.、Mm -hmm. A safe space where they can escape, they can play out their fantasies, they can explore and try new things, and sometimes even rekindle romances.、Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why I you know, was always 
you know, I always had this dream and vision to create a space like this it was in part because I've always really been fascinated by Japanese uh, love culture and the Japanese love industry. Mm-hmm. And I just think their interpretation, their way of creating different spaces for people to explore and be creative and, you know, make love and all those things is just so unique. And I also think that, you know, the Japanese love hotel model, especially the authentic concept as it comes from Japan, was also meant to solve personal problems that are very universal.、Mm-hmm. And they've come up in Toronto as well, which is, you know, Japanese love hotels were born out of the 17th century and came to mainstream prominence in 1960s Tokyo. And it was all to create a space for actually married couples to get. Privacy and intimacy because they were living in multi generational homes.、Ah. So, traditionally in Japan, you have the kids, you have the parents, you have the grandparents, grandparents,、yeah. then the teenagers, then they have, you know, they、yeah. have friends and boyfriends and girlfriends, and it's just a lot of activity in, <laughs> in one house. And people start, and also, I understand that space is, a, is of scarcity mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well. Tiny, tiny homes, and also Japanese homes. Um, especially the traditional ones had paper walls. Right? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> walls like paper. Yeah, so that's where this all came from. And, you know, we opened a couple months ago and we were covered in Blog TO and Toronto Life and a number of other publications. We've been on other podcasts and it just kind of blew up in terms of everybody's curiosity and interest.、Mm-hmm. So, how is this different from a like, North American hotel? I would say it's totally different because of the historical roots of where the concept comes from and the universal personal problems that it tries to solve, you know, in terms of creating a space for people who don't have access to privacy and,、mm-hmm. and things like that. Very, very different.、Um, I was on a- another podcast recently and、um, they asked some really, really good, tough questions. Questions. <laughs> and I think when you bring a concept like this to North America, it's so foreign that people may be quick to immediately associate it with the closest thing that they know. And so the concept of you know, hourly motels, for example, that you see in Niagara Falls, you know,、right. people may mistake it for that. And you know, one of the arguments that I really like to make is that just because there is a hotel or a form of accommodation that offers short stay doesn't mean they're all the same. They're not all made equal.、Mm-hmm. So, yes, in North America, we do have the concept of motels that will do short stay, meaning you know, less than and over、uh, stays that are less than overnight in duration. But totally different because, for example, at Tokyo Love Hotel and in,、uh, inside Japanese love hotels, there's also the concept of the rooms being themed. Very and, cool. Of different fantasies. And it's supposed to feel like an escape. You're supposed to feel like, even though you're in downtown Toronto or you're in the middle of the city, time kind of stops or time doesn't really exist. You don't feel time. And you don't feel like you're in the thick of the city, too.、Mm-hmm. You know, that there's like the subway underneath or whatever, things like that.、Mm-hmm. And you're not thinking about having to get to your next busy city related thing, your next appointment or meeting. Or... Yeah, because ideally it's not for, as you said, with kind of this whole business idea, it's for the locals. It's not necessarily for tourists. So it's not like, oh, you're stopping over one night. In this city, and you're literally just sleeping and then getting up and going again. It's like meant to be, like, as you're saying, like a little escape within a city. So, exactly. Yeah. And majority of our guests are residents of Toronto. They are usually、um, young professionals that work and play and study in the city.、Mm-hmm. And、um, we also have students, lots of students, right? As you can imagine, commuting in, being out of town, still living with parents, maybe too many roommates, no privacy.、Mm-hmm. So, our space has been, you know, we've received such great feedback from these、um, guests who have just volunteered to us this kind of information.、Mm-hmm. Um, So, we've even, have,、uh, we've even had guests that, are,、um, that have visited love hotels in Tokyo or in、oh. Japan, or who come from Japan, or even South America, where love hotels are very popular. And there's a whole other take on love hotels in South America. And we receive feedback that you know, they were so glad that something like this finally exists in, in Canada, but、mm-hmm. especially in Toronto. And they 
kind of commended us for the fact that, you know, we've created a space because they really needed access to something like this prior to it not existing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, Yes. So I'm thinking of so many ways of using a space like this personally. Um, You mentioned, I love how you mentioned, hey, you have roommates, Mm. you have kids or, you know, other family in the house living in your space. Parents. Parents. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You live with parents. Yes. So you either are... People, you either are parents yourselves and living with your kids, or yeah. your kids still like you're yeah. over. You're yeah, you're over eighteen, but you still with your live with your parents. Yeah, and Toronto rent is so goddamn high. A lot of people are in that position. I've dated people that still live with their parents or have gone back to live with their parents mm-hmm. for a while because you can't fucking afford a yeah, place. Because millennials, it's super common. Yeah, because that's millennials. That's it. <laughs> Just straight up. Because we know the struggle. Yeah. It's very real. Yeah. And um, a lot of students also commute in from the rest of the GTA into downtown to go to school. And then they have to take their two-hour commute. That was me. Yeah. I know that life. Yeah. And then they have to take their commute home. And so they, they already don't have time to see their significant other between school and work and commuting. Mm-hmm. And to have a space in the city where it's like, you know right where they're studying is is really awesome it's ideal. at least is yeah what our guests have been saying yeah and okay so you mentioned it i talked mm-hmm. your ear off i feel Please. like pre-podcast about <laughs> it because immediately what i thought of was being a polyamorous person yeah so for me i tend to date i'm a partnered person um meaning i've a nesting partner so i mm-hmm. live with my partner yeah and I tend to date other people that also live with their partner. Ah. And in some scenarios, that's fine. And you don't mind having someone over while you're in this space. But sometimes, and probably more often, that's not so cool. So scheduling can often be a real real roadblock, a real cock block. I didn't (laughs) see that. I was just going to suggest that. I was like, that is such a... a buzz killer yeah it have to get so logistical and administrative about seeing someone and you do and that's polyamory i mean everyone is like oh it's so fun to be fucking tons of people that's polyamory it's mostly organized it's mostly you and google docs the calendar management yeah it's like yeah exactly however yeah so and you know you never want to be in the position where you know the two of you are kind of asking the other person if they can go out that night so you can use the space that's never a nice request to have to make you never want to do that so it's like okay what are my options airbnb which you're not supposed to use airbnbs like that so you don't feel safe using it no, because yeah. often the like the landlord or the person renting the Airbnb lives in the space, like yeah. in another right. unit in the space, you know, and they're not for that intended use. Again, yeah, they don't welcome Airbnb, it. Yeah, Airbnbs again are for like tourists That's or right. people stopping in. It's supposed to be used like like another type of hotel, like not a love hotel for overnight accommodation. Yeah, it's not for people in the city that don't have a space Mm -hmm. to be intimate with each other. So it, yeah, it's not welcome. So it's like Airbnb. Okay. We can go to a hotel. Hotels are got, are insanely expensive. Yes. And again, that's not a thing that's welcome. welcome. Like, as you know, we were talking pre podcast with all that's happening with the Marriott and sex trafficking. Yeah. So any, any female that's like, they're not overnight and that's yeah. like hanging out in the lobby even a single female hanging out in that bar yeah they're going to approach you wow because they think you're being quote unquote trafficked meaning they're just trying to target sex workers yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's like really problematic to hmm. have a multi-hour you know just a couple hours in a hotel yeah you can't do that either so for me I'd love to kind of pivot from that and and relate myself as well Mm -hmm. you know when I was dating um and I was meeting people I didn't always feel comfortable having our first meetup at their place their place or Or even my place I I can't fully explain why well Um, safety and and as as a woman as a woman and also I just feel like my home is so like sacred and private to me 
I have this funny thing where, like, if I haven't been dating you for months and I've already seen your place and, like, you know, stayed there, then will you be invited into my home? <laughs> yes. You know, that's kind of how I am. And, um, you know, I, when I was dating, I just remembered always having this logistical challenge of yeah. not being able to say yours, your place or mine mm-hmm. and having to be like, oh, this is really, really awkward. Now you have to negotiate with them and you have to figure out, okay, you know, where, where are we going to meet? You yeah. know, it's super, super awkward and, and in how- the absence of spaces that don't welcome, you know, um, short stay. Ultimately, that's all it is. People just mm-hmm. want to go on dates or hook up or whatever. Yeah, that's it's a great point. Um, safety is a huge thing. Like yeah. to either go over to a stranger's place yeah. or to have a stranger in your space. It's yeah. like for women, that's not something. I mean, a lot of us do it, but you know, that's not something that's the safest option to not exactly. be in neutral territory. Exactly. Now they know where you live. You know. Or now you're in their space where they, yeah. you know, are in complete control of everything that's happening potentially. It's yeah. like either either option isn't great. Even when we do live in our own space and have it available technically yeah. to host, we may not want to. Yeah. And these are very real problems. Like, haven't hasn't everyone run into where, um, you know, you start dating someone and it kind of just go south or it doesn't really go anywhere at all and then the other person like keeps wanting back into your life and now they know where you live so you're going home to like you're going you're you're arriving home middle of the night and there's like flowers on your door like Like, has anyone had that or they're I don't know I've I had when I was young I had when I was young I had a person that um, for whatever reason, knew where I worked. Mm. So he would just like hang out while I'm working. And like, this was a person I think I made out with once. <laughs> and then I was like, mm, no, thank you. And then he'd be just like hanging out, hanging out at my work, waiting for me to get off. I'm like, ah, like that's yeah. the closest thing I've probably ever had to a stalker. I was like, yeah, this guy will just not go away. And like, yeah. I, I, yeah, to, for the person to have access to you in that way and knowing where your spaces are. Yeah. That's like, as a woman that can. As a woman. Huge. That's why as a woman, I usually wait a couple months before I reveal to them, you know, the address of my workplace or where I live and and things. And that's smart. And that's smart. Those are precautions we should all be taking. We should. But we're forced to you know, uh, have, have not better judgment about it because of the lack of options. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the, the next thing I thought when I was like, Ooh, poly people, this is great. Um, because what, what happens with, um, having logistical problems with poly people is yeah. like, we usually end up like going to Oasis, uh-huh. which is a sex club or right. club M4, which is a swingers club. Right. But then that means that you're having public sex, which yeah. is not everyone's bag. Right. Like, I'm a polyamorous person, and most poly people are fairly sex positive and, like, pretty up for a variety of things. <laughs> but, like, public sex is not necessarily one of them. That's right. So, yeah. you know... Shared spaces. Shared spaces sexually is not everyone's <laughs> bag. So it's like, the option is always, well, we could go to Oasis. Right. And you may not feel like having sex in front of people on any variety of nights. Yep. (laughs) I can totally... But when it's the only option, you know, sometimes you just do it. So thank you for confirming that, because when I first went into it, that's what I understood. I understood those two venues as being the closest thing to having, you know, a, a safe enough space for people to meet up to hook up, you know, and to do all these other things that they want to do with each other. And I thought, well, it would be such a great compliment. Like, I don't even see us as competitors at all to any of these kinds of spaces. I think we're only all working toward the same goals and it only furthers, you know, the Toronto sort of love industry and, um, you know, creating safe spaces, creating sex positive spaces. And we complement what they're doing because we're creating a, a safe space as well. 
um, but it's for people who desire privacy over shared spaces. Exactly, yeah, because, like, say, Club M4 or Oasis, it's like, they're very social. That's the intended use for those spaces. Right. Is to go and meet other sex-positive people, hang with other sex-positive people, maybe play or have sex with mm-hmm. um, other sex-positive people. But as far as, like, you and one other person wanting an intimate experience, yeah. like, just together, yeah, like, you kind of can do it, but it's not catered for that. Yeah. There is one private room, for example, in Oasis, where you can actually shut and lock the door. Okay. There's always someone in it, you know, like, and, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and I think you do actually have to, like, actually book it. Yeah. To get in there. Probably. Because I've I've never, yeah, I've never specifically been able to get in there. I see. (laughs) Because it's that in high demand, right? Scarce. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so you can take a date there wanting just to have a one-on-one sexual experience or intimate experience, but it's difficult because it's not, the space isn't made for it. That's right. Yeah. 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 I was at Club M4 the other night and (laughs) having a bit, a bit is some issues with like, do tell. (laughs) Oh my God. Just like some people just are clueless when you're in the middle of a scene, like specifically doing a kink scene. Mm -hmm. You don't, I don't like, please do not interrupt me when I'm doming someone. Yeah. That's so rude. And it's very clueless. It's, I'm sure they're just, it's ignorance. They're not knowing that like, I have my sub in a whole experience right now. They're in subspace. Yeah, like it's serious. It's yeah, focused. Yeah. And, and for you to come, like, to, first of all, just even standing way too close, like way in her. What did he need? They're just like standing <laughs> so close. Like once my sub had to be like, can you give me a bit of room, please? Mm. Which is terrible. So, like, yeah. I was, for the rest of the scene, I'm trying to, like, silently, so my sub, I don't have to interrupt the scene for my sub, silently I'm trying to, like, shoot people away. I'm like, get away. Like, And you stand shouldn't back. have to do that. And, like, and, yeah, and my sub had to one time be like, ah, can you give me a bit of room, please? And they're so polite. They were so cute about it. Um, and they know boundaries, so they're, like, fine with it. But I was like, I hate that that had to happen. And, like, oh, just, I, we don't mind onlookers. Yeah. But, like, when you're actually invading the scene in some way, that's a problem. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of kink spaces, people are... Uh, aware of that, aware of this kind of the rules. Problem. Yeah, um, and and most of them are aware. Like if you're actually in the kink scene, you know not to walk right into somebody's yeah. scene. You know that. But when you're in these um, just kind of general like swingers club spaces mm. or sex positive spaces, they're not all kinksters, and they're not all aware of like what you should and shouldn't do. They don't know the etiquette. Exactly. New to the space. So what I'm hearing is that in some of these shared spaces. The crowd can sometimes be a, it's bit a mixed, of a mixed crowd. bag. Yeah. Definitely. And diluted too with, yeah, with people who may be very experienced with these kinds of spaces or totally brand new and don't know any of the rules or etiquette. And you don't know what you're going to get on any given night if you go. Yeah. You could have a great, I've had um, so many great experiences yeah. at both of these venues. Right. But sometimes you'll get somebody who just is, and there happens to be no dungeon monitor to kind of monitor it for you. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's not a DM. So right. you, you may have to deal with that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. I didn't know the intricacies. You know, I I would really love to experience one of these places for myself once and, and I've been meaning to just haven't, you know, found the right time for it. Um, but it's, uh, I've read up all about it. I listened to your podcast, Oasis, you know, I just love, you know, anyone who's in this space and, and trying to work towards these goals of, you know, really bringing to the surface something that Toronto's always struggled to talk about like I really think as Canadians we can be quite um like reserved yes about these kinds of topics and I'm a huge hippie at heart I believe in love you know free love free love oh my gosh (laughs) I'm such a capitalist but such a hippie at heart um and yeah being able to create space for people to make love and art and Mm -hmm. like we literally also make our rooms available to artists and models and videographers. We've been in music videos, you know, we've collabed with some major fashion influencers in Toronto, like the women at the store on Queen, and they've shot out of our space. So I love that we're also bringing this kind of fluidity and um, sort of non-labeling 
of our spaces and what people can do in them. So mm-hmm. you can create more than just one thing in our space. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, another one, now that you're speaking of that, um, that's a fantastic use for your space, by the way, if, especially if you're going to all this, you know, trouble with making these beautifully themed, like, spaces, yes. right? Uh, Darling Mansion is another one. Oh, yeah? Uh, that has just, like, that they use, like, there are a lot of sex parties that happen there and other events. It's a it's a general event space in Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, something that is a huge thing because it's such a gorgeous space, it's like rented out to shoot a film there, to yeah. shoot, you know, to shoot um, still photography and whatnot there yeah. is like super, super helpful to artists in the city. Um, that was a huge part of, and, and thank you for bringing this up, is a huge part of the design of our space and even just the conceptualization of Tokyo Love Hotel, we actually started by reaching out to Toronto-based artists and influencers. And we especially went to those people who we felt had a significant influence and uh, following with people, exactly the people we want to make our space available to in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, people who work and live here and who need a space like this. And so when we even designed the rooms, we had Toronto artists collaborate with us to design the spaces. Very that cool. was so important to us. Um, our blue room is surrounded by infinity mirrors and blue twinkle lights and a waterbed which is super fun because when's the last time we got to try a waterbed like my aunt in the 90s had one and then i think she got rid of it and jumped on it you know and um that room just as an example was actually based on um yayoi kusama's exhibit at ago Wow. And as everybody knows, because it's all over social media, everybody's always taking The Infinity Mirror. Exactly. The Infinity Exhibit. Cool. And we love that Toronto loves Yayoi's work so much, and that has become such, like, that that photograph of people inside the Infinity Exhibit has become so prominent that we were like, okay, we have to incorporate that and, and pay tribute to it. Plus, like, we really did want to incorporate a lot of mirrors, and the whole Blue Room was supposed to create this sense of you're floating, you're flowing, you know, the hippiness comes through and actually the design, the themes, each of the three themes, Mm -hmm. because it has to do with different elements Mm -hmm. of nature. Okay, so let's talk about these three themes then. (laughs) Now I want to know. (laughs) Yeah, so so what I was originally thinking with, um, you know, going back to like elements of the earth Mm -hmm. was so that each room could embody a distinctly different vibe Mm -hmm. so that when people do want to reserve our rooms, they're able to choose one that is most fitting to what they need. So the blue one, as you know, is flowy and water and water represents the emotions too, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. I see, and that space is like, it's, it's dark, but it's lit with this like bioluminescent blue. And I feel like that's a great space for people who want to connect emotionally like you're literally there's a water bed you know and then there's there's like nothing else in the room well it's a hotel room so there's a full bathroom and all that stuff mm. but then you're just surrounded by mirrors and it feels like a total escape cool the white room is more like air mm-hmm. the white room is air and in there we have you know a lot of flowy white decor we even have a, a giant angel wing on the wall with a halo and and um, lights, and it's actually a great Instagrammable corner that people like to use, and we were featured in a really cool music video by this Toronto-based rapper called Young Baku, and really, really cool what he did. You guys can check him out on Instagram. And um, that space is all about purity and innocence and, and romance, too. So we find that that, the White Room, is particular particularly popular amongst couples who are celebrating their wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. you know, people who are, who may be, you know, driving over a little bit, maybe from Oakville, you know, to come for a dinner and a date with the wife or husband. We hear a lot of that. Mm-hmm. White room's great for that. The red room is now, you know, earth and fire, and it is actually inspired by the red room. We wanted to have some popular culture in there. It is inspired by the red room from 50 shades of gray, but we totally did our own interpretation of it. And in that room, we actually partnered with the love shop Canada 
cool. Yeah, so they're Canada's largest, you know, adult toy chain um, franchise, and they've been really great to us. So the Red Room is all equipped with floggers and oh, yeah. whips, and there's a. I'm familiar. Familiar <laughs> with, those, those? with those things. Yes. <laughs> and once or you... twice, I've tried it. Oh, have you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you all about them. no. <laughs> There's a, a sex lounge chair called the Liberator. Have you heard of that one? Um, yes. You have? <laughs> of Do course. Do you like it? It has, like, all the movable cushions and... Yeah, Liberator pillows are lovely. I love, like, a wedge, a wedge Liberator pillow. They've yeah. got them in, like, a bunch of different sizes. They're great. I, I love them specifically for, like, um, disabled folks and folks that have limited mobility. They can be very helpful for, like, helping you get into certain positions and um, get in certain angles. They're great. I love Liberator. Yeah, so, so we have one of those, it's like a lounge chair, and then it has all the cushions on, the wedge cushions on top of that. So, awesome, awesome. So so couples who want, who are kind of, have a different level of readiness, um, will be in the red room, and mm-hmm. our walls are covered in this velvet floral wallpaper, you know, it's it's totally different vibe, right? When you step into the white room versus the red room. Yeah, sounds so, very luxe, like luxurious. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and very just kind of like you know, primal. There's the word. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I like some primal interactions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So equipped with a bunch of different implements. So that can kind of be a kinky space, exactly. you know. Exactly. Red is the color of passion. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> and you know what we also see is sometimes for couples they have a hard time communicating with their significant other their sexual needs mm-hmm. or their relationship needs. And what we have found, because in not so many words, the, the guests will write us and ask us for help. They want to find a reservation, and sometimes they'll tell us, you know, what it's for. Mm-hmm. And um, we've noticed that some couples utilize our space to send a message, a gentle message to their partner that, hey, you know, why don't we try out the white room at this new place? There's something called a Japanese love hotel. Like, let's just try it for a date night. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And then they try it and like, maybe they love it. And they'll be like, you know what? Let's try the blue room next. You know, there's a water bed there. Yeah. Okay. Now I really want to try the red room. I know it's, you know, I know there's like toys, but I don't want you to be it's a little intimidated. Freaky, but you know, and there's like a chair with movable cushions. Like, why don't we just try it? So, we've found that you know it's actually been a great bonding space and um, space for people to develop their relationships. I love that. that. Can be awkward territory too. Oh yes, that's what there's. Those are some of the hardest conversations to have, right? Yeah. About sex and and your relationship. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that reminds me of, I had such a great experience recently doming uh, a couple at the Ritual Chamber, a male-female couple, mm-hmm. who were married, mm-hmm. and they had seen another dominatrix in the same space, mm-hmm. so they had been in this space before, and then they had taken some of our workshops as well as a couple, and then they had also just rented the space, because you can rent the dungeon at Ritual Chamber as well, yeah. they had also rented it just to have their own space, like private playtime as well. So I'm like, oh my God, you two are like our ideal, ideal, ideal patron of this space. You are using it for its full potential. You've rented it. You're attending our workshops. You've seen multiple of the house doms. Yeah. And you're just excited to come back again to use it in a new way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, you people are just why we do this. Why we have spaces like this. Why we create spaces like this. That's really nice to hear, actually, because, you know, for me, I'm obviously less familiar with that space. And I love to hear that there are people who are totally pushing their own mm-hmm. sexual boundaries and also their relationship boundaries and that you know when when people kind of either open up or reopen that curiosity in them mm-hmm. I think that is when you know you're able to reconnect with your partner which let's be real relationships are not easy you know and sometimes mm-hmm. maintaining mm-hmm. that strong strong connection you know that you once had can be challenging and I love to hear stories of couples like that that really you know take it 
to a different level and, and are brave enough to put themselves in that position, n not just with each other, but also now welcoming, you know, someone new. A facilitator, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, that's great. I know. I love that we're good on that them. Yeah, yeah, you know. And another thing was like, okay, so they hired um, one of the other doms, and they, I think the the um, setup was like, oh, maybe the dom can be co-doming with the wife, so they can mm -hmm. both be a double dom scenario and the husband is the bottom or the sub yeah. but when they came to me they're like oh well maybe we can both sub for uh -huh. you so even there like what fluidity and cool. like yeah they're really exploring like the all all the options they're playing with all the colors in the crayon box That's i'm like so oh great. congratulations to you too, honestly. When I hear that, that's like better than any kind of couples therapy that you could pay for by the hour where you sit on a couch. Right. You know, just in my opinion, I totally respect the profession and I think there are those services are appropriate for some couples and then maybe for others, utilizing a space like that and being able to also educate themselves through workshops and yeah, that's yeah. like a whole other way it's of priceless. interactive learning. Totally, yes, hands on <laughs> hands workshops. On yes. Uh, okay, we should take a break, uh, yes. but we will be right back with Priscilla from Tokyo Love Hotel. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisoflounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. everyone, welcome back to the Bed Post Podcast. I'm here with my fantastic guest, Priscilla. <laughs> Hi. I uh, love that we get a break. I love that. Hell yeah, we get a break. You made me the best green tea. Yeah, I had to refill my tea. <laughs> I literally need to have a tea for the second half. That's mostly the reason that I put it in two parts. <laughs> I didn't know that about you, how much you love tea. I, I honestly do, yeah. I, I really, I'm obsessed, yes. Um, especially just like using my voice as often yeah. as I do. I need to keep it lubricated, you know. Yes. Everybody loves lube, right? Yes. So uh, um, everything is better with lube. That's okay. what I always say. <laughs> okay. On um, For the time that we have left here in the second half, we're kind of talking about um, this idea of like sex negative culture mm. and sex positive culture yes. and kind of what's happening in Toronto right now, yeah. you know, and maybe how, um, something like the Tokyo love hotel may kind of be a positive step, yes. you know, towards, uh, creating, um, you know, helping foster the sex positive community here in Toronto. Yeah. So, um, we've been, as Tokyo Love Hotel, we have been approached by a number of journalism students from some of the local universities, so from Ryerson and University of Toronto, and they sparked in us this kind of deeper intellectual, philosophical conversation about sex positivity in the city and also sex positive spaces in Toronto. And, you know, I really love exploring the idea of what a love hotel or what Tokyo Love Hotel can contribute to that 
whole development and conversation for our city because just like you and I were talking about earlier, you know, right now we have quite limited options Mm -hmm. in terms of safe sex positive spaces for people in the city and I think we still have a bit of a hard or awkward time talking about sex and sexuality and our culture is a bit you know like there were certain media outlets that didn't want to cover our opening because it just didn't suit their audience and I totally get that but it's like I would really love for you know love and sex and sexuality in Toronto to for us to be able to talk about all this stuff much more openly because the more we do the safer all of this can be the safer our spaces can be the safer people's relationships and dates and interactions can be yeah like for me I have even when I just like need to talk about like I do consulting um like sex work consulting essentially Mm -hmm. so anytime I need to like meet with someone say for a coffee but we're discussing Um, you know, sex positivity, sex work, kink, Mm -hmm. poly, Mm -hmm. all of these topics. Mm -hmm. I have like one place that I know is a safe space, like the Glad Day Bookshop, Mm -hmm. which is an LGBTQ plus um, space. Like Mm -hmm. they're an event space, they're a cafe, they're a bar. Throw Mm -hmm. them a little shout out, Glad Day Bookshop. (laughs) But that is literally the one place around here that, you know, daytime getting a coffee that I feel comfortable you know, having these types of conversations. And that's, like, so sad. I know. And I know that talking about safety is not the sexiest topic. I get that. But it's so real. Yes. So when you talk about that all, like, my mind just goes into, okay, so where is everybody actually meeting then in the absence of having access to, you know, adequate spaces? Mm Mm-hmm. Where are people going? Airbnbs, maybe, hotels, you know, normal hotels that don't welcome short stays. Or they're just going to spaces and they just feel unsafe. They're forced to See, go to so spaces un- where they feel uncomfortable. That makes me sad. Yeah. That that shouldn't be. Like, when I hear that, I'm like, that just shouldn't be the case. Yeah, why does that have to be like that? Yeah. 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 And, and here's something else, right? That See, that's another thing that we don't talk about is like safety as it relates and and actually what you and I have uncovered in this conversation I just realized is the intersection between you know sex positivity and spaces especially sex positive spaces and how they kind of go hand in hand I think we've we're coming up with some kind of weird formula here <laughs> yeah sounds a lot like math to me yeah um <laughs> yeah uh, but it's so true and and it's isn't it funny that in a place like Toronto, which is like a fairly liberal city, a fairly open city as far as having like a lot of diversity, yeah. you know, melting pot, a melting yeah. pot and all that, yeah. even here, there really aren't that many places to go That's... and that you can openly talk about sex, sex work, kink, yeah. relationship dynamics on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know... So people even in more remote areas... Oh. you know, would have the trouble times 10 trying to find somewhere where they feel comfortable, you know, being open for all these reasons. I would feel even, you know, I've lived in rural towns. I would feel even less safe meeting up with people on dates or for a hookup in a rural place that doesn't have sex positive spaces at all. And mm-hmm. maybe the whole city or the whole town doesn't even talk about anything like this, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, so, you know, at least in the city, you know that as soon as you exit, you know, a, a, a venue or an establishment, like you're on the street, there's streetcars, there's everything, cars, people, you know, that's what I think about. So I really love the idea. And this is something that I'm still exploring because we've only had the hotel open for a couple of months and we're still kind of getting to know ourselves in terms of our place in the city and our role. And what that's contributing to, you know, love culture and sex and sexuality and, and sex positivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What what are your opinions on, like, what is happening right now? Because mm-hmm. with FOSTA and SESTA and a lot of different kind of censoring, um, censoring practices that are happening now mm-hmm. online and whatnot, like, right now, to be a woman online is... So censorship is bad. It's just the ultimate killer of a woman's safety. Yeah. Right? Like, that's like putting a permanent gag order 
Mm -hmm. on someone who's, you know, just trying to live her life. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And is already marginalized. Is already marginalized. She already doesn't feel totally safe talking about these things, especially publicly. So I I personally am against that Mm because just like what we've been talking about in this conversation, the more you allow these conversations to happen and the more you promote them in safe conversations and also safe spaces, the more it, you know, allows everybody else who is participating in the space to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've learned that we've always learned that like we've, we've learned that from, you know, the, the sex industry too right? There have been so many Supreme Court cases and challenges to the Constitution of people's fundamental human rights, and and one of your human rights is safety. Mm -hmm. And that conversation intersected with things like, you know, when when laws come out to censor people or to push people underground and to not be able to talk about what they do or not be able to tell people where they are. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the latest thing I've heard is that Facebook is monitoring uh, emoji use. So they're beginning to now censor things based on emojis. So say the eggplant emoji, the like, you know, the water droplets, the tongue emoji. So now they've gone from targeting, you know, hashtags, certain hashtags, Um, so Facebook meaning Mm. Instagram and all the other affiliated like social media platforms. So they've gone from, um, hashtags to any words that are anywhere in the post to now emojis they are monitoring and censoring and shadow banning based on emoji use. Wow. Yeah. It's like... It's a witch hunt. It is. It sounds like a witch hunt. We are back in the 1700s. Sometimes history repeats itself in cycles and it just resurfaces in a different, with a different face. Yeah. I wish I could time travel to 50 years in the future where, you know, it'll come back around again to having like sexual liberation. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. maybe 50 years is even too soon. Maybe we'll still be in it at that point. Oh. But like, yeah, this is why I don't have kids, people. Um, <laughs> why I have absolutely no interest in having kids. But it's like, it seems like we're having, we're having another time where, you know, what's the opposite of sexual liberation? Sexual suppression. Sexual sexual suppression. censorship. We're having an era where that is now, that's the norm. That's going to be the norm now. Like, why is that happening? I, I actually have a master of public policy, so I studied public policy, which is all about, you know, how you, um, sort of govern and organize the public. And it's a way I to just, control women. I think we have bad policymakers. Mm-hmm. So whoever's making these policies, they're bad policymakers and mm-hmm. they don't understand the space. And that is part of the challenge. And it's something that I learned from being in that domain, being in public policy. You know, I, I worked full time for years in that public policy space. And what I found all the time was the, the people making the rules and writing the laws actually have no idea about the spaces that they're writing for. Yeah, they're not writing rules. Like, it's men writing rules for women. It's non-sex workers for writing example, rule for sex workers. It's, for example, and they haven't consulted the right people. They haven't gone into the industry and asked the right, in, you know, industry It's experts. white people making rules for immigrants. It's... Exactly. Like, on and on and on. It's people that are making the rules for the people that have experiences that are so unlike theirs. Yep, and they're sitting up, you know, in their ivory their, tower. Yeah. And, you know, they are also doing it out of political motivation. So that's mm-hmm. something that I learned when I was in the thick of policy work, is usually some major politician had it as part of his or her campaign Mm -hmm. and now they have to fulfill on the promise and now you're going to write the policy because it's going to make a lot of voters happy or it's going to prevent a lot of voters from being unhappy yeah so regardless um, of how it's going to affect like a marginalized community because they're the minority yeah so right in america for example if you have a loud enough lobby against sex and maybe the rights of sex workers and things like that. Because maybe there are people who are even just for religious 
basis um, against those things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all it takes to influence the right politicians and policymakers to then make these um, what end up being oppressive legislation. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's something that's very close to my heart because I, I studied it for so long and I always wanted to, you know, be able to influence change in that space. I just never thought that I would be so, you know, in the front lines of trying to... having a Tokyo Love Hotel. Yeah, instead of doing it from the ivory tower, I'm doing it like getting in there like a dirty shirt. <laughs> getting right in there like a dirty yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. I love that. And how do you think... How, I'm wondering how has how has your business been received? Mm. And how do you think with the climate yes. that's happening right now, what do you see for like the future of Tokyo Love Hotel? So um, we have been so positively received and we weren't really expecting that. Like we didn't think what we were doing was so groundbreaking because mm -hmm. we are we are taking our own cultural interpretation of something that already exists in Japan and has for centuries. Yeah. And we wanted to make it culturally relevant within Toronto and solve the same kind of universal problems, but then maybe take it to the next level and solve some Toronto problems too. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, when, when we did that, we didn't expect there to be so much interest, especially in the media, on social media and just the general public and interested guests um, in more of the intellectual sort of thinking behind what this is trying, what this does for people or what this could do. Yeah. So we've sort of sparked a lot of conversations, just like what you and I have had today about, mm -hmm. about what this could mean. So I really think we're just breaking ground mm -hmm. on this. And, you know, to me, we are, we are the first sex positive space in Toronto that allows people to also get the privacy that they need you know so mm -hmm. again we're a great complement to what already exists in Toronto and I think that's a really great start mm -hmm. ideally are you seeing like years in the future like that you're gonna have a lot of competitors sure and I wouldn't and do you welcome it I do don't you? mind it because <laughs> what was a huge challenge for us as a business was you know when you do marketing and you have to um tell people what you'd like to offer them, which is, you know, a love hotel reservation. You have to start with even educating people on what a love hotel is. So there's a couple of steps. Whereas if I was just to break into the space of like opening up a burger joint, you don't have to go so basic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots of people have already paved the way. I don't have a to lot... explain to people what a hamburger is. Yes. A lot of work is done for you. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's part of like the excitement of, you know, being an entrepreneur in a totally new space and introducing a new concept. But what comes with it is also the challenge and I guess sort of the burden of being the one, being the first to educate people on what it is and then allowing people to also bring their own interpretation and come in and make the space their own. Yeah. Amazing. This is reminding me of like, I'm doing a podcast coming up in the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not necessarily like, even though the hosts were like, Oh, well we're very, you know, pro sex work and, uh, stuff like that. I had a preliminary interview. Yeah. And it was, it was good. The hosts are lovely and they're very eager to learn. Mm -hmm. But I did feel like, oh, okay, yeah, for this podcast, I think I'm used to talking, you know, about sex work, about kink and about sex positively kind of more on a 102 level or beyond. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, I need to do a lot of thinking of like going way back mm -hmm. to talk about like things like consent and oh. like to really start real basic because I, I really want to represent myself in a way. And for a lot of people that I'm, I'm assuming a lot of their listeners are also not super familiar with sex work, mm -hmm. kink, mm -hmm. you know, different relationship dynamics, different types of sexualities and, and whatnot. So it, it's ending up being like a little emotionally laborious thinking about that I have to really educate, really educate. Yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Interesting. So I'm like trying to just wrap my brain around, okay, I can't, I literally can't, I don't, it's not like they've given me any parameters or anything regarding this, but I feel like I need to just, 
I can't like glaze over anything. I can't assume that they know anything. Hmm. Yeah. Because I don't want to like spread misinformation if they're assuming a wrong thing, if I'm not explaining it completely yes. or starting completely from square one. Yes. So, um, I mean, loose related and not related to, no, to totally. you starting your business, but, totally. <laughs> but I, it's, it's emotionally laborious. It is. It right? is. And sometimes it's To have nice to explain if... and explain and explain. It's like... It would have been nice if somebody else, like, kind of already did it. Could and already did it for you. come in and do it better, you know? That would be really nice. Yeah, I almost, like, I almost, like, wanted to direct them to a bunch of podcasts or even, yeah. like, episodes of my podcast. I'm like, just to give you some, like, base knowledge on... How this works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just so I don't have to do everything. But also, that's my job in accepting that I'm the guest on their podcast. Like, yes. <laughs> that is what I'm there for. So I didn't I didn't do that. I didn't, like, right. try to pot off the work on them. But I wanted to a little bit. Yeah, it's tricky, Because <laughs> right? I'm like, this is going to be hard. I totally get that. Yeah. It's so hard because... You also, you know, as just a human being, when you communicate something or you pitch somebody to somebody or you, you really want to inspire something in someone, you know, sometimes you don't want to go too much into the history and the context. You may lose people, mm -hmm. but sometimes you have to, just yeah. like how you and I are explaining. Like, there are scenarios where you have to assume that the baseline is zero mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you have to build it from there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I assume people... Like, listeners of this podcast, I assume that they know probably more than, maybe more than they do know. <laughs> but that's a challenge to you listeners to rise up to where we're at, me and my guests are at. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because then you're starting from this baseline where, you know, you understand that your listeners have a certain level of knowledge and understanding. So then you can dive even deeper. That's what I, and that's what I want to do. I don't want to exactly. like, I don't want to just like scrape the top of these topics. You know exactly. What I mean? yeah. That's what I really loved, you know, before coming on to the show. I listened to a number, I like studied some of your podcasts Aww. because I wanted our conversation to also just kind of flow with it, you know, everything else. So yeah, 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 I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting because I'm not going to have to be answering questions about the no-tell motels and how we're different from that, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and we can dive a lot deeper into, you know, what this means for Toronto and our love culture and what this could mean for women and their safety. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, it's so, it makes me feel so inspired to, you know, keep doing this work and, you know, you've uncovered also more opportunities, for example, for polyamorous couples. Yeah. So at Tokyo Love Hotel, we, we welcome more than just two guests at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, our rooms are small and the, and the beds are tiny cause they're, you know, our rooms are, um, we have double beds in the rooms mm -hmm. and you know ideally you know you don't want maybe six people just for space constraint reasons mm -hmm. but but also it hasn't again not been done before yeah maybe you, you know? do i don't know exactly and as long as our <laughs> guests are respectful of our space and respectful of other love hotel guests you know we're 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 pretty um we're very welcoming very very welcoming Awesome. Okay, we're around in the corner here where I'm going to ask you, Priscilla, to tell us where can we book, where Ooh. we can uh, watch your very, very popular YouTube <laughs> channel, channel, all this sorts of things. So give us like all your social media things and also everything that we can uh, do more deep diving on the Tokyo Love Hotel. Yes. So for Tokyo Love Hotel, you can find us on Instagram. We are at tokyolovehotel.to for Toronto um, tokyolovehotel.to and then our website is tokyolovehoteltoronto.com and then you can find me on YouTube if you just simply punch in my name Priscilla Tang you'll see me there doing a bunch of random videos totally unrelated to love hotels <laughs> <laughs> and do you have an Instagram? Do you have it. a Twitter? I have an Instagram. It's PriscillaTang.podcast. If you guys, you know, have any questions, you are totally welcome to reach out to me or, you know, even Aaron, and you can direct them back to us. We'd love to continue the conversation, you awesome. know, in any way. Yeah, and I know you have new things kind of on the horizon as well. Yeah. So I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last oh, really? you've seen of Priscilla. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what do I have to tell you folks about? Okay, I got, because of uh, um, all this censoring that we were talking about, I had my ProDom Instagram deleted. So the new one is at 
pim.lady. Also, uh, as you are aware, maybe about six months ago, I had my bedpost Instagram deleted. So uh, you can follow me at my new one at The Bedpost Podcast. Um, I'm also at the Lady Pim one on Twitter. As for more bedpost things, you can email me at thebedpostsexual at gmail.com. Our YouTube, our less popular YouTube. <laughs> Is at the Bedpost Sex Show. Uh, Facebook, we're always at Bedpost Erotica. Somehow that one doesn't get deleted. Um, and then, <laughs> and then um, once again, the Patreon is patreon.com slash the Bedpost Show. One last huge thank you to Stephanie Copeland, who does all the original music for the Bedpost podcast. And then, uh, oh yes, and you can follow her at stephcopelandmusic.com. And then uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening to the episode today. We'll be back next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. Until then, thank you so much, Priscilla. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, and thank you, everyone. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 